This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Hi, everyone. It is Friday, August, oh my God, 24th, when I am recording this. I have just had an amazing week. I got a chance to go up to my old grad school, Pacifica Graduate Institute and spend about mm, three and a half days uh, as part of this certificate program that I'm doing. It's called Dream Tending. It's work with Steven Eisenstadt that he's been doing for decades and decades. And I got a chance to do a little taste of it last summer, the summer of 20. 17? Oh my God, maybe it was summer 2016. Can't remember now. (laughs) Anyway, um, but this is the second week we've been together. We were together uh, the first week of May. And it's just really powerful work. If you are interested in Jungian active imagination work, if you know what that is, this is powerful, powerful, deep active imagination work. Working with dreams images and dreams, working with the idea of images, the idea of imagination, uh, the idea of the imaginal world. Um, Where do those images come from? Are they archetypal? Are they personal? Are they something beyond that? Are they autonomous? Do they have their own intelligence? Of course, none of this fits neatly into the Cartesian rational way of looking at the world, but that's the point. Not the whole world has to fit into the Cartesian rational world. Unless, of course, that's important to you and that's the way you only want to see the world. Uh, I like traveling in both worlds. I like traveling in the Cartesian rational world, understanding the world of science and material cause and effect. But being a writer and a performer someone who loves um, story and the power of words and the power of art. I also very much enjoy the land of the irrational, the imaginative, the world beyond the material. And not that I am saying that the immaterial is material, I'm saying there's just two different worlds, two different ways of being in the world or looking at the world and being able to source from each side in order to live a more productive, effective, what feels like meaningful and aligned life. It's kind of pretty much what I've been searching for my whole life. It's what I'm always looking for, how to be more productive and effective, but at the same time, not productive and effective for the sake of productivity and efficiency, but for the sake of feeling like it really aligns with the work I'm here to do and the impact I want to have in the world. I think we all want to know, A, what is the impact we want to have in the world, and B, how to make sure we have it. (laughs) That seems to be the two big questions, right? What am I doing here and how do I do it well? And so this imaginal work is about that. And yet at the same time, 
it's not egocentric. It's not necessarily what my ego mind, my ego personality, the one that's kind of here always in the waking life, it's not about that always having the agenda. It's about sometimes letting something else have the agenda, something beyond the ego. And that's where the imaginal realm comes in, the images of dreams, of the active imagination work that we do around it. So what is this active imagination you're asking? So active imagination is a some techniques basically that Carl Jung came up with when he was wrestling with his own psyche in his adult kind of midlife and where he found that within dreams and even waking life he was being inundated by Um, figures, like dream figures or voices. And I'm not talking about in a psychotic sense, although certainly that might have been part of what he was experiencing and part of how we would um, classify it. But instead of seeing it as pathology, he saw it as an opportunity to figure out, well, what's going on with these figures and what do they want and what are the conversations and what information are they trying to give me? And he respected these figures as um, autonomous, intelligent beings. And he had conversations with them and he painted pictures about them. And if you're really interested in that, he actually made a book called The Red Book, which within the last, um, I think, 10 years, might have been a few years, maybe 12 years ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was published finally. You know, a good 50 years after his death and I think more like um, almost 190, 80 years since he created the damn thing. So, um, but that's what Jung's Red Book is all about. It's about having um, an, a, a, uh, a conversation with, a uh, relationship with these figures and seeing what kind of wisdom they bring and also how their wisdom is beyond just the personal life. It's not like fix me, fix me. It's about like, what's the bigger, what's the bigger storyline for humanity? What's the really big storyline? Like the mythological archetypal storyline. So it's just really, really fascinating work. So I was looking through my Patreon uh, page and um, I do bonus. um, What are they called? (laughs) Episodes. I do bonus episodes for my Patreon people. And I was just looking at what they were interested in in for topics for bonus stuff. And um, there's a couple of great ones, and I'll probably do one of them as a bonus this week coming up. But the one I really um, was connecting to was one that, um, and I'm scrolling down right now, so please Forgive my spaced outedness here. I'm not spaced out. I'm just going down. Uh, One was offered by Patrick Ford, who said, um, how do you reboot yourself to get back to doing things you already know you love and did in the past? Be it exercise, performing, painting, Aikido, diving, tennis, writing, probably his list of things that he used to do and love. And it's a great question because it's about... For me, 
uh, there's a couple of things wrapped up in this, right? So first of all, I think one of the questions we always can ask ourselves when these things that bring us deep pleasure and joy and that we feel really connected to, and we feel really connected to ourselves when we do them, why do they drift away? Where do they go? How does that happen, right? I mean, like, why are we obsessed with it and then one day we're not? And and so I think, you know, it's part of it is this thing I think about is like, we feel like we only have so much psychic energy to spend. Like, if you picture your kind of daily life as like a battery, how much charge do you have in the battery to begin with? And how much are you spending on certain things? I mean, you can do a really easy analysis for yourself with this. If you do like a little pie chart and, um, or do like, actually forget the pie chart, just do like a battery, right? Do a battery, draw like a little rectangle of a battery and then, uh, you know, make some lines in it. And figure out like the percentage of those lines. How much percentage of what of your battery is going to what areas of your life? And and see like, you know, that it, you know, that it's probably if you're not focusing on things that you love to do for yourself, there's probably very little battery power installed in that area. And so just taking kind of a real good, realistic look at that. Like, where are you spending all of your energy? Where is it going? And that's that in itself is a huge revelation if you don't think about those kind of things most of the time. Where the hell is my life going? What am I spending it on? And what, I, what I'm spending it on, is it, is it, charging me back? Am I getting recharged by doing these things? And I get that there's probably some things that are not getting you recharged. Um, But, you know, so then you could go into each one of those areas that, you know, that you're spending your time on and saying, all right, well, how much energy am I putting out? And how much am I, am I getting recharged by it? Feeling connected to myself, feeling kind of plugged into that energy source that's um, kind of magical, you know, the one that just when you feel like you're connected to something you love to do, there's like very little energy that gets expended. It doesn't it feel like that? Like you're like, we're, we're like almost like that energy is coming from somewhere else. You know, if you're doing like, if you're doing like some sort of athletic physical thing you love or an artistic thing you love or even a craft thing, um, that place where like kind of space and time leaves, that's a place where um, energy is actually coming back into the system. And even if, it's your, if you're at your job and, you know, there are parts of your job that you hate, you know, I'm guessing like going to meetings, if you're at a job where you have to go to a lot of meetings, everyone talks about how fucking sucky that is. They seem to like, suck the daylight out of you. And if you've ever noticed, like, if you get to work early before you have to interact with a bunch of people and you can kind of dive into your actual work, 
you can connect to your work in a different way where there's space for you to connect to the parts that really do feed you, you know, like where you're actually really getting something done. Like you're, like you're actually doing the things that they, they actually hired you to do because you have a skill set in that. And obviously if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, maybe you don't, none of this lines up for you. I get that, but there are probably ways during the day, even if you're flipping burgers at McDonald's that you're fed by some part of that day, something does turn you on. Maybe it's interacting with your colleagues or really connecting with customers or doing a good job. You know, there's some things that mean something to you, even in the shittiest job. Um, you know, we, we make our own meaning, right? Ultimately out of it. So back to the battery. So you've got this battery now and you can, you can see kind of pretty starkly where you're spending your energy. And like I said, how much of the things you're spending the energy on are things that are actually going to recharge you and that are going to plug you into what we could call the big battery, right? The thing that's beyond us, that's beyond the transactional, that's beyond the drudgery, that's beyond the material. The part that we get enthusiastic about, the part that makes us feel alive, makes us feel connected. And so, so there's that piece. And then there's the other piece. So let's make the list of things that we used to love to do. And let's go back. Let's go back far. Let's go back to kid time. You know, one of the things we were talking about this week up at Pacifica and the dream tending was we got to do uh, a project where we made plaster masks. And it was part of uh, part of some of the, the dream work. We're working with nightmares and, and scary images and stuff like that. But it, just in the mask making part itself, you know, as adults, we don't just get a piece of paper out and draw like we did. Remember when we were th- two, three, four, five, six, up to a certain age in school where we were just given paper and construction paper and crayons And it wasn't about, you know, it might have been making like a turkey for Thanksgiving or something like that. But it was this thing about just what happens when you just get a piece of paper out and your crayons and you just do something without the task of needing to do something right, to do it well, to know how to do it even like not knowing how to do it, just doing it. So letting yourself go back into childhood and take a moment right now, close your eyes if you're not in your car (laughs) driving or on a bicycle or walking. If you're somewhere where you can take a moment and close your eyes and think back to being a kid and think back to the times where you felt safe and relaxed And you were doing something. Maybe you were doing something with paper and pen or scissors or coloring or glue or glitter or popsicle sticks or whatever it is. Or maybe you were outside 
playing with other kids running around, playing handball, maybe. I don't know, playing tag, um, Red Rover, Red Rover. <laughs> Outside, maybe you're on your bike around your neighborhood, alone with other kids. Maybe you were a reader and you lived in the land of reading and books. Maybe you had nature places you went to. Or maybe you started doing something. Maybe you took some classes. Maybe it was piano or it was martial arts or it was horseback riding. Let yourself move into your adolescent years. What were some of the things that you used to do that just were things you don't do anymore? Things that brought you joy. And then let yourself move into like teenage years and what were you doing? Were you on teams? Were you in athletics? Were you in theater? Were you in science lab? What really turned you on? You know, that like when you weren't trying to fit in and figure out what the fuck was going on with this crazy body and your hormones and how the hell am I ever going to learn to have sex and should I smoke pot or not and all that other stuff. What were you doing? Was it hanging out with friends and being silly? Was it improv? Was it turning on a camera? And then into your 20s and your 30s, whenever it was when you were connected to what you loved to do still, there was some time in your day where you could do this or you lived in a place where it supported you. Think back to that and take a moment and make a list from all those different eras of all those different things. And let yourself just kind of dream a little bit again. Dream into that space, imagining that you have all the time in the world and you could actually take time to re-immerse yourself in some of this stuff. And that it doesn't have to be a hobby, hobby, and it doesn't have to cost money. But what if you actually had time in your life to really connect to what you love? What makes you feel alive? And so here's the deal about what I'm learning about life and have learned but I'm still learning it, is that nobody, nobody is going to take this time for you. No one's going to come around and put their arm around you and say, hey, why don't you take 45 minutes today and really, for you time, and really connect with yourself and really figure out, you know, how to make that time work for you and, and do something really um, that feels like it would really feed you and maybe feels really, really frivolous too, you know, like getting those colored pencils out and that pad out that you haven't touched in 20 years and um, 
you know, because you've got a million reasons why you can't do that because you well, you haven't done it in 20 years. And what's the point? You're never going to be an artist anyway. And, uh, you know, it's a waste of time and you've got bills to pay. And that 45 minutes could be spent on something really productive and efficient. Yeah, there's a lot of voices in your head that are going to tell you to just totally and completely, you know, tell you just what a fuckhead you are (laughs) and what a waste of time that is. And yeah, those voices are there, but uh, here's what I know. Like the truth of the truth of the truth is, is that when you take that time for yourself, whatever it is that you are going to feel human again. You're going to feel like yourself again. You're going to remember who you are. And you're going to remember what life feels like when there are no walls and there are no clocks. Because you're going to just sink into what they call like flow or reverie. And that's going to be something that charges your battery like nothing else. Sleep charges your battery. Food charges your battery. Sex charges your battery. Being with loved ones and community charges your battery. But there's nothing like being inside of your own personal little world space doing something that brings you joy. There's nothing that charges your battery like that. So so here's the steps. Remember, you're going to do the battery thing. How much energy are you using in your life and how much is there you? And then you're going to go and you're going to go do like a tour of your life. And you're going to like let yourself remember the things, the places in your life, the times in your life when you did things because they just gave you joy. And when you were a kid, you did it a lot and you did it naturally. And then the world started closing in on you and this thing called adulthood and responsibility and money and career and relationships and family and obligations and all of the responsibilities of being a grown-up in the 21st century follows you around. So knowing that there was some turning point where you made all of the obligations and the responsibilities to the world and to this thing called adulting as the only priority, and you dropped out, you disappeared. The you part of it disappeared at some point. So so the ball's in your court, right? I mean, the ball's in your court. And it's not like it's in your court like, 
all the other fucking shit in your life that feels like, oh, now this is just another thing I need to add to my fucking to-do list. Thanks a lot, Kelly. Great. I'm so fucking pleased right now. This is about entering a different plane. This is about giving yourself access to that irrational, immaterial land of play that is beyond the to-do lists and the obligations. It's kind of a portal, a magical portal. It's like a magic lamp. Rub the magic lamp and you get three wishes. It's a space that we, strangely, as humans, have a capacity to enter into that and stay conscious while we're in it. Sleep is part of that space, for sure. And we're only semi-conscious in that, right? We're pretty much asleep during the sleep cycle and the dreaming cycle. But, you know, if you meditate, which, you know, I do, uh, if you give yourself time like that, it's a space that you can enter into. And, you know, daydreaming. Daydreaming. Remember daydreaming? (laughs) Remember that special place? That daydreaming space, that's available to you too, where you just let your mind go and imagine things. Your mind just goes off in its own little way. And, you know, what are you finding in those daydreams? Who's there? What figures are lurking about there? Which ones are showing up? Where are you? Where are you going in those daydreams? Let yourself go there. Like take yourself there consciously. Take 15 minutes and go to the beach in Hawaii and let that ocean wash over you. Not today. There's a hurricane there. Uh, But, or back to that old tree you used to sit in when you were a kid. Or that fort you used to have or that special place in the house that was just yours. Maybe it was a a fort you used to make with sheets. What's in that space? What's, What's in the space when you're doing something you love, when you're remembering the stuff you loved, Who are you in that time? What do you know about yourself? I know for me that I am making a big shift in my own life around this kind of stuff. I am attempting to include myself in what I do during my day, whether it's paying bills or learning how to build this coaching business I'm doing uh, or being on Patreon or doing a podcast or whatever. It's like 
there's a part of me that always shows up in the world because I was such a good girl. And I was one who really always learned the rules and desperately sought approval from everything. So, you know, I have lived most of my life trying to figure out what's expected of me and then how to live up to it. And instead, I am have been really working really the last 20 years, but, you know, it's drip, 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 right? It's fucking peel the layers of the onion. <laughs> but what happens when I see that this isn't a world about expectation, but it's really about believing and understanding that what I bring, I bring, and that it's it's what I can bring. It's what I know how to bring. I mean, life. my life has led me up to this moment, and I've lived through a lot of difficulty and a lot of amazing things, and all of that life experience has brought me here. And that what happens when I see that whatever has brought me here is exactly what needed to happen and to bring me here. And that I don't need anything more. I don't need to figure out what shape I'm supposed to twist myself into. That, yeah, maybe I need to learn some more skills, learn a new skill. You know, that's always possible. But in general, I am equipped. I am equipped to do what I am doing and what's calling me. And so from that space then, how am I encountering my day and everything in my day? How am I encountering my walk with my dog, sending my husband off to work in the morning? How much am I just really present and how much then am I not present and in my head and worrying about what's going on? How much am I just honestly just being here in my life? And what's accompanying me here? Who's here with me? Who are my allies inside myself? Who are those things that escort me through life that have helped me out? Who are the people I admire, my mentors, people I read about? Mythical figures, spiritual figures, spirit animals, places that feed me, you know, really feed my soul. What if I, as I do these days, what if I am allowing them to be a part of what supports me through the day? What reminds me of who I really am? What's really important to me? And to trust that I don't have to be living out of my thinking mind all the time, my solving mind, my fixing mind all the time. But what if I'm allowing other parts of me, my feeling self, my imagination, my body, what I feel in my body, the somatic experience of my life. What if I'm letting all of that information be a part of what helps me? do the work I'm here to do. So 
that's what I'm living into this week is what's it like when I don't make my life into an it, into a thing to figure out or solve or improve or whip into shape. But what if I see life, my life, myself, and everything around me as a thou? That I'm willing to be in relationship with it and that it's a living thing. My life unfolding is a living thing. My career is not an it to be tortured and shaped and pushed through a sausage maker, but that it's a living thing. It's a conversation I'm having with it. Same thing with my body, uh, my house, my husband, you guys. You know, you're not just my podcast listeners and some it out there in the world that I sometimes I do see you that way. I mean, that's been part of my learning here is that it's like, oh, how do I please these people who are listening to me out here? But when I sit with you just as like, oh, you're a thou. You're also beings on a journey trying to figure it all out, trying to find your way. And that sometimes you listen to my podcast and you listen to it because I'm in search all the time. I'm searching. I'm seeking. I'm looking for clues. And so I guess like the stance that I want to bring here now and bring forward in all of my work is that it's not an it to manipulate. The podcast isn't an object. You're not an object. I'm not an object. My thoughts, my feelings, my struggles aren't even an object. That all of this is something to be in relationship with. Like a friend or like a mentor or even a scary figure in a nightmare. What's visiting in my life now? What's here? And how do I want to be with it? So to circle back around to Patrick's question, how do you reconnect to with what you loved? Is I would say is to see your life as a thou, to see how those things fed you in that way. You know, Mary Oliver talks about this one precious life. How were these things in conversation with you? What's the conversation that is had about your life when you were interacting with these activities? And instead of trying to find a trick to trick yourself into turning back to them, what if you saw them as an old lover that you wanted to write a letter to and you were willing to sit down with pen and page, a beautiful letter to write to writing or Akita, Akito or diving or performing 
or piano playing or model building or gardening. Dear gardening, I have missed you so. Where have you been? How have you been? I've been off on other adventures. I'd love to reconnect. How might we do that? And then let gardening reply back on the page. Dear Sam, dear Alice, dear Patrick, I would love to reconnect. Here's what I've been up to since you've been gone. And here's what I loved about when we connected. And start a conversation with this old love of yours. Turn back towards your lover and find out what he, she, it, whatever gender it is, whatever that feels right for you. And maybe draw a picture of it. It can be a really bad stick figure. It can be really abstract. What is this thing that's calling you back, this old lover? What is it within you that misses it so? Joanna Macy has a beautiful book called World as Lover, World as Self. What if we were all to turn to the world and to our lives and everything in it as if it was a lover? How might your day be different, your life be different? What would that battery look like? (laughs) What would that battery be plugged into? All right, you guys, I've got to go now. I've got some things I've got to go fall in love with. I hope you have a great week. We will talk soon again. And if you want to come and be in love with my Patreon, be in love with me in this podcast, um, come over to Patreon, support the podcast. The podcast is not me. The podcast is the podcast. It is its own thing in the world. It has its own life, its own way it lives into the world. And if you want to support it, let it know by coming over to Patreon and do whatever you want there. I know the podcast would love to know that it's got community supporting it. It's nice to feel like we're in community, that we found our tribe. So have a great week, and I will speak to you in a week or so. As you know, I've not been super consistent. I don't do a podcast every week. Usually every 10 days feels more like it. But it's in my calendar. I know it's something that wants to go out into the world and be connecting to community. And so I'm learning to honor it more often. And uh, thank Logan for all the work he does on this podcast and all the musicians who participate and donate their music to give us a little musical interlude. Thank you all. Talk soon.